Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Almost without fail, I feel like um, if I'm sitting at my desk and the same application exists on the Mac and on the iPhone, I always use the Mac version. And I think most people probably feel that way too, just because on the Mac, you just do think you can do things much faster. And today we'll be talking about an app that I've found very useful on iOS devices that is now being ported over to the Mac. The award-winning Voice Dream Reader app is used by many voiceover users and others around the world to read and listen to documents in many formats. We'll speak with the developer, Winston Chen, about the app, its features, and its development. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Winston Chen. For, for Voice Stream Reader for Mac OS, you can drag and drop files right into the library. Uh, in fact, you can drag and drop 100 files altogether into your library. So it makes it really easy to, to, to add content. That is a breeze. Just one of the ways in which using the specific capabilities to the Mac makes productivity even greater in the newly released Mac OS version over the iOS version. That's right. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Winston and learning about the origins of Voice Dream Reader. Winston, you've been on the show before, and today you have some exciting news to share with our listeners. So remind us who you are and what you do. Uh, yeah. Hi. Thanks for inviting me again. Uh, so this is Winston Chen. I'm the founder and the, the well, the only developer at VoiceStream. Uh, and VoiceStream is known for VoiceStream Reader, um, which is a text-to-speech reading app designed for people who are visually impaired or people who have dyslexia. Uh, so it reads uh, any sort of documents, web pages, ebooks, and so on out loud uh, using your choice of text-to-speech voices. And I, since I was on the show uh, last time, I guess the, the biggest news is uh, last year, uh, 2021, VoiceStream Reader won the uh, Apple Design Award, uh, which was uh, a great honor for, for me, um, you know, after working on VoiceStream, you know, pretty much solo for the last 10 years. I wrote that when I took a sabbatical in Norway. Um, so it was actually uh, published while I was in the middle of my, uh, of my sabbatical. And as I recall, it wasn't originally intended for the visually impaired, right? Right, right. I, I, I never thought of making a business out of it. I just, I wanted to, to see what it's like to write an app. You know, 10 years ago, iPhones were just starting to get really popular. 
so mostly I just, you know, I could have written any app. I just thought, okay, text-to-speech, you know, I'll write something that can use this nifty little device that speaks text out loud uh, you know, as a productivity tool. Um, so then eventually evolved into, a, a, after a lot of interaction with users, uh, it evolved into a, a, a product uh, for accessibility. Well, and it's not just for people with print disabilities. I'm fully sighted, and there have been situations when I've used it as well. If I can't get a hold of an audio book, I'll get hold of a digital EPUB book or something and, and have VoiceStream read it out loud. Yeah, you know, a lot of people do that. You use it for productivity, and it's, it's great. Uh, and I also know a lot of people who use it for speed reading, and that's because you can, even if you're fully sighted um, and you don't have any learning disabilities, anybody can, uh, using text-to-speech, by turning up the speed gradually, can read at about twice the speed uh, at which you would visually read normally. And you can do that hands-free. That's right. That's right. And that's a bonus. You can, you can go for a walk and digest and learn twice as fast <laughs> with no loss in comprehension, by the way. And that's the study um, I worked on with a professor at the uh, University of Massachusetts in Boston. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Voice Dream Reader and the many enhancements incorporated into the recently released version for Mac OS. In the introduction, you mentioned that the Voice Dream Reader app recently won the Apple Design Award. But the other big news that you want to share with our listeners today is that the Voice Dream Reader app which was only available on iOS devices, is now available on Mac computers. So maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about the Voice Dream Reader app, as well as some of the other applications in the Voice Dream suite. And then we can talk some more about what's special about the Mac application. So for Voice Dream, we have the most popular product is VoiceStream Reader. I mentioned before, it's a text-to-speech reading application. But VoiceStream also has two other products. Um, the second one is VoiceStream Scanner. So it uses the camera of the iPhone or iPad um, to scan documents, labels, uh, you know, whatever that's got text in it. Uh, and it does OCR combined with text-to-speech and, uh, and, and reads whatever that's in the camera if there's text uh, out loud. And the third product is VoiceStream Writer. Um, the theme again is text-to-speech and, and the text-to-speech has the core technology that helps people with print disabilities. Um, so uh, VoiceStream Writer is a text editor slash word processor um, that has text-to-speech fully integrated and solves a lot of problems that people who use voiceover encounter when trying to write, you know, large pieces of text. How many different languages does VoiceStream come in? The VoiceStream's user interface, I think it believes, comes in 26 languages. 
And as far as the text-to-speech goes, it's only limited by what kind of text-to-speech voices are available. Um, in VoiceStream Reader, there are four different sets of voices are available. Um, so the choices are quite large. Uh, and the reason behind that is that for folks who use text-to-speech on a regular basis, you really want to have, you want to choose a voice that that really you feel comfortable with, that you have an affinity for. Um, so the, so voices come from obviously uh, the built-in voices on the iPhone or iPads. You also have voices from acapella, uh, from Ivona slash Amazon, uh, and from uh, a company called Neil Speech, which was recently purchased by Reed Speaker. Um, so four different you know, makers, really, uh, of, of text-to-speech voices. And I just want to say, as a user myself, primarily of the Voice Dream Reader app, it is really good for people using voiceover. It's very flexible. I read documents in PDF, EPUB books, Word documents, and I even do some audio things. It's very nice to be able to put bookmarks in your documents and go back and read notes. It's easy to organize your documents into different folders and even access Bookshare directly and Dropbox to pull documents from other places. Now that that's been available on iOS devices for a number of years, you're making those same capabilities and more available on the Mac. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. The the project of porting VoiceStream Reader from iPhone to the Mac uh, has been really long, <laughs> much long, took much longer than I thought. Uh, I, I, st- I wrote the first line of code um, for the Mac version in 2019. So that's three years ago. Uh, so it's really taken that long. And I described it as a really difficult birth. Um, um, I, I guess one of the biggest decisions that I had to make, and I made this decision very early on, is um, I, I wanted to build uh, an app that is fully native on the Mac i.e. that it's it, it goes follows all the mac os's native conventions looks and feels like a, a a mac app as opposed to something from an iphone or ipad just transported to the mac and most importantly um that something that lets mac users do what the mac is best at which is productivity which is doing things really efficiently so, and in order to do that, so even though the underlying capabilities are the same, you know, supports is almost the same file formats, uh, the library organization, you know, all the core, all the capabilities and features, if you will, are the same, but I designed the user interface from scratch. Wow. So you essentially had to write a lot of the code from scratch, maybe porting some libraries, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, first, I mean, you know, in, in te- you know, sort of programming speak, I had to refactor the code such that uh, all the code that's shared between iOS and the Mac OS are separate, sort of put them in the one pot. Right. And then essentially writing a whole new user interface on top of that. Wow. Now, I understand in the Mac, you made use of many keyboard shortcuts that can improve productivity. Is that right? 
Right, right. Um, and, and this is, you know, just digging into that a, a little bit, um, sort of how, how I made that decision. I, I looked at my own behavior, how I, you know, when do I use the Mac for certain things? When do I use my phone uh, for certain things? And, and almost without fail, I feel like um, if I'm sitting at my desk uh, and the same application exists on the Mac and on the iPhone, I always use the Mac version. Um, and, and I think most people probably feel that way too, just because uh, on the Mac, you just do think you can do things much faster. Um, and and that, so then I started wondering, okay, well, why is that? Why is, why, why is that you can do something faster on the Mac? Sure, the screen is larger, but I mean, nowadays you can buy an iPad Pro that's got a, a screen just as big as a MacBook. So screen size makes a difference, but it's not the only thing. Um, so I, I started looking at other, you know, desktop class applications, i.e. applications that have a lot of features and functions, are very rich. Um, you know, so Photoshop comes to mind, right? Apple Pages comes to mind. Um, so if you look at Photoshop, you open up Photoshop on the Mac, I counted that there's on the screen, there's over a hundred things you can click on. That wouldn't be possible on most iOS devices. That's right. That's right. Because on most iOS devices, and, and Apple has done a lot of research in this and, and came up with this number, which is each control has to be at least 44 by 44 points on the screen. How big is that in real dimensions? In real dimensions, it's, the, it's about the size of the toolbar on an iPhone, the height of a toolbar on an iPhone. So about the size of your fingertip. Exactly, exactly. Um, because your your fingertip, as great of a of, of a evolutionary development it is, it's not a very precise pointing device. You know, it's kind of big. So the each control has to be big enough so that it's you won't make a mistake uh, tapping on it. Um, whereas the the Mac, the the pointing device, the trackpad or the mouse. It is incredibly precise. So you can tap on a very small button on the screen and, and tap it there and make it, make it precise and, and, and hit it right on every time, right? Um, and, and that's the reason you can, you can pack so many controls on the screen. And, and the end result of that is, is you can do things faster because some function that you have to tap multiple times to get into a hierarchy of controls uh, on the iPhone. On the Mac, there is a button for it right there. And so, and then you lay on top of that, the keyboard shortcuts, which, you know, Peter, you just, you just brought up. Um, so the number of simultaneous things you can do, the number of, of commands you can give to a Mac application at any state, any given time, it's just much, much bigger much larger number than what's possible on, a, on an iPhone or iPad. Uh, and that's where the efficiency come from. And that also means that if you just take an, a regular iPad app or iPhone app and, and, you know, port it to the Mac, you're not taking advantage of the Mac. Right. And then again, so to, to fully take advantage of the Mac and to build a native Apple application, you really should design the user, user interface from scratch. So all of these keyboard shortcuts that are available in the Mac version, those shortcuts are not available in the iOS app, even if one is using a Bluetooth keyboard, correct? 
that is coming, but I almost wanted to do it after designing the Mac version. So I, I you know, I want to make sure all the keyboard commands uh, carry across from uh, from device to device. So yeah, so that one one big project that's that I have on, on the horizon next is to, especially for the iPad version, to have better support for the keyboard. Use of the keyboard can make use of these programs much more efficient sometimes. In fact, one of the first books I read on using Windows from the keyboard, I thought it was made for people who are blind because we don't use the mouse, but it was actually designed for sighted people to make their work more effective and efficient. Again, as a fully sighted user, I also use many, many keyboard shortcuts just because they're more efficient. And I can't tell you how many sighted friends I've watched struggling to get the cursor to point exactly where they need it to point to activate something. Whereas, you know, if they just used the keyboard shortcut, it would be a snap. Right, right. And so all the combination of things, I I did some just a rough count on the number of taps or clicks or press of a key that you need to do to carry out a common task. And on the iPhone, even some common task task may require two or three or four taps. Uh, you know, on the Mac version of Voice Dream Reader, you can do it with one or two taps. So it, over time, we really, really can save a lot of save a lot of hours um, and boost your productivity by using Voice Dream Reader on the Mac. And because the libraries are fully synchronized, so I, I suspect that a lot of people would. Even if they don't use the text-to-speech voices on the Mac, people can organize their library, add content, you know, create reading lists and so on on the Mac, and then read on the iPhone. Are there any other major differences between the iOS versions and the Mac version? Well, the biggest difference are the voices. So right now on the Mac... Only the Mac native voices are available. So these are the voices that are built into Mac OS. Some of these voices are actually really good. For US English, I really like Tom and Ava. One thing I I just want to emphasize, I can't emphasize that enough, is uh, you have to explore those voices in Mac's preferences for system settings, um, and especially to download enhanced versions of these voices. Some of those voices are available on the OS, but to really get the best quality, you you have to download the enhancements. That's good advice. Yeah. um, So, so, and there are also a lot of voices too. Um, Some of them, they're ranging from sort of humorous and, and, you know, fun voices to, to really high quality lifelike voices. Some of those voices you may be familiar with, uh, like uh, Samantha or Alex, uh, those exist on on iPhones too. I take it if someone is using the iOS version sometimes and then also using the Mac version sometimes, your books will sync up in terms of where you are? Yeah, everything is synced up. That's great. So you can read a book partially on one device and then when it's more convenient, read it on the other device and not have to set the whole thing up again. Right, right, absolutely. And of course, all your bookmarks and highlights and annotations, those all are all synchronized. Are there any additional features that we neglected to ask about? Specifically new with the Mac version? Yeah. 
Um, no, I, I mean, some things it just does a lot better. Um, so for example, when the plugin that allows you to share content to voice streams from, let's say from Safari, uh, you have a, you have a web page that, that you want to, you want to read that just works better on, on the Mac. For example, um, the code that converts a web page to a PDF document, the PDF document, it just looks so much better. But, but besides those, like I said, in general, funct functionally speaking, the Mac version and the iOS versions are, are identical, um, except those differences I just mentioned. Well, that sounds like a very nice program. And if my experience with Voice Dream Reader on iOS devices is any indication, that ought to be a really nice program to work with on the Mac. Yeah. Yeah, I, I surely, surely hope so. You know, I spent the last three years making this application uh, painstakingly. Um, I like to joke to people, this is a, it's my love letter to the Mac. Um, <laughs> I really love the Mac. I use it every day. And, and I really want to build a, an app that, that takes everything Mac and utilizes it and, and take advantage of it. I'm just curious, as a developer, this sounds like it really has developed into a full-time job. This doesn't give you time to develop any other apps, does it? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, these days, um, I am a single developer. I probably spend about 50% of my time just keeping things going. You know, writing, writing productivity apps, you know, it's different from, you know, a game or a sort of low-function tool um you know you have a really complex product with like millions of lines of code uh, that depends on various hardware devices operating systems third-party services like dropbox and bookshare and google and so on um, so it, it exists in this complex environment and that environment changes i was going to say that's what a lot of people probably don't realize about what developers have to do to keep their product running. It's not like you just put it out there and let people download it, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, the things change so so rapidly. If I let an app I sit in, in the app store and not, not do anything, you know, within a few, few months, things are going to start to break. Yeah. So I, I probably spend about half my time just kind of keeping things going, status quo. Um, and that is ultimately not sustainable. You know, I'm the only person in the world who knows the code. Right. Which kind of brings, I guess, brings us to the new business model of, um, you know, the Mac uh, voice stream reader for Mac OS uh, is a subscription. Uh, I, I know it's a controversial topic for a lot of people, you know, and I struggle with this decision over the past two years. Uh, in fact, I, I didn't finally make, make up my mind until about like three months ago. And in my mind, I'm absolutely convinced that without introducing this sort of subscription model for VoiceStream Reader uh, for macOS, VoiceStream would not be sustainable. This is really the only way to make sure the company has a future. Yeah, more and more products are going that way. It's tough to just sell it once and that's it. You know, once everybody has it, if there's not a subscription, that's the end of the revenue stream. Mostly, I think the, the most important thing is to, to, to turn VoiceStream into a proper company. You know, it needs a, a skeletal crew. 
in order for a company to sort of to, to be to survive me it needs at least another developer at least one more right so at least like, somebody can under, understand the understands the code uh how, how it works um and it, it needs to have a proper business manager or ceo or whatever somebody who who is uh, you know uh, responsible for just running the business Right. Well, I'm glad to hear you're planning for that, and that should give users some comfort that it should be around for some time. Yeah. What subscription offers is, I'm hoping, and this will be, I'll find out over the next few months, is is a hoping higher revenue, because in order to have a proper company, it needs more people, and it, and it needs more revenue. And secondly, it needs the revenue should be predictable, because when you hire somebody, that's a, you know, that's a fixed cost. Um, and if, if all your revenue comes from from new customers as a one-time fee, it, it's very unpredictable. Well, it's nice to hear that some app developers, at least, are thinking about sustainability of their apps because it's really disappointing when you're using an app, you get used to it, you feel comfortable with it, and then all of a sudden the app developer is not developing it anymore or moves on to other things and the app is no longer available. So let's hope that VoiceStream continues and this model winds up being successful for you. Good luck. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the VoiceStream products, how to try them out, and how to contact Winston Chen. Well, Winston, we talked a lot about the Voice Dream suite of apps. If people are interested in learning more about Voice Dream Reader, Voice Dream Scanner, or the Voice Dream Writer, where can they go to find out more? The best place to find them is uh, go to the App Store. Uh, if you're uh, on your iPhone or iPad, you can download the, the iOS version of Voice Dream Reader. Right now, Voice Dream Reader for iOS is a one-time cost. Um, and it's about 20 US dollars. Um, and uh, for Bushroom Reader for Mac OS, uh, you would uh, go to the Mac, uh, Apple Mac App Store. Um, and uh, the price for that is uh, $5 a month uh, as a subscription. But it comes with a 14 day free trial. So you can give yourself a couple of weeks to decide whether uh, it's the right tool for you. Oh, that's nice. Do you have a website where people can get additional information? Yes. Uh, so my website is voicestream.com. And I've got a, a few, uh, a couple of blogs in there that I, uh, since the, uh, when I launched Voicestream Reader for Mac OS, uh, that describes the, the Mac OS version as well as uh, some of the rationale I discussed here for going to a subscription model. And do you have a social media presence as well? Yes, we're on Twitter. Um, probably the best way to, 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 to get a hold of us is Voice Dream App uh, is our Twitter handle, um, which should be pretty easy to search for it. And if somebody had a question or a comment, how would they ask or say that? Uh, yes, well, the best uh, way, to, way is to email us at support at voicestream.com, and uh, we will get back to you very soon. As usual, if people are looking for any of that contact information, you can find it in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
I want to remind our listeners that we enjoy hearing from our listeners. And if you have suggestions, comments, or anything else you want to say to us, you can send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2222. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about pet peeves of a blind person. People who are blind have many ways of adapting in a world that consists of primarily sighted people. Sometimes, though, being blind can be frustrating, especially when simple changes that could be made to make our lives easier are not made. We'll talk about some of Pete's pet peeves as a blind person and Nancy's as the partner of a blind person. They can be equally annoying to both of us. And we hope you'll join us next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.